0: Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. It's so good to be able to be with you this morning, to be able to continue this journey that we've been on as we've gone through our series teaching around the reality that no one is beyond reach. No one is beyond reach. I want to ask you this morning uh, whether you believe in coincidence or divine appointment. Whether you believe in coincidence or divine appointment. I want to give you a little bit of a uh, a story, something that happened to me. Uh, As many of you know, my wife Lauren and I uh, lived in America for a period of time. And we were working with a a ministry over there in uh, in Long Island, New York, that provided residential services to at-risk kids. In the evenings, we were uh, caretakers, house parents to a bunch of uh, young women in our home. But during the day, I actually worked in the administration of the organization, and my responsibility was to help grow that organization to see more people, more young people, uh, reached and served. And uh, during the the second year, we uh, we got a phone call from a, a similar organization. They were doing some similar things in the state of Mississippi. Long way, way from where we were. But we got a call from them and, and built a relationship with them. And they said, hey, we're looking at starting a program for adolescent young people. A little bit like the program that you guys run. Could you, could you come and give us a hand? Could you come and give us some guidance? And so my, my boss and I, we jumped on a plane. We headed down to, uh, to Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, we spent some time there with the, uh, the board and the leaders of that particular organization. And the first, uh, the first time I met these three key leaders from, uh, from this organization, we went out to lunch together. And after the, the, uh, the polite introductions that normally happen to those uh, kind of things, the inevitable question came up for me. So where's your accent from? And I always kind of pushed back and asked people to, uh, to try and guess where it was from. And it's actually not that obvious uh, to people that I'm from Australia. Some people said, "Oh, are you from England? I said, oh, you kind of got it close. Uh, then they would say, and other people said, uh, are you from Ireland? I said, uh, to be sure, I'm not. Uh, I even had one person say, are you from Alaska? I like, what? Anyway, this, uh, these three people that I was out with, they figured out that I was from Australia, And it turned out that one of them had actually been to Australia, which is fairly uncommon amongst the people that I I met in America. And so uh, we got chatting, and I said, so his name was Kenny. I said, so Kenny, tell me, where have you been in Australia? Thinking that he'd been to Sydney and Melbourne and all these great places. He said, I spent about six months in Townsville. I'm like, what? You come 20 hours in a big steel tube to go to Townsville? What on earth are you thinking? He said, well, I, I spent time in Townsville doing a, uh, what they call a discipleship training school with youth with a mission. It's called YWAM. Have you heard of that? I said, you wouldn't know, Kenny. I actually did a DTS with YWAM in New Zealand. How about that? So we began to share some stories of our experiences and Knowing that YWAM have a whole bunch of schools, I said to him, hey, mate, did you ever you know, continue on with YWAM? Did you ever do anything else with them? And he says, well, actually, uh, I came back to North America, and uh, I ended up in Canada um, doing a, a school of biblical studies in, uh, in Alberta. And I said to him, mate, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't believe this, but I actually know somebody who was with YWAM in Canada. Would you happen to know Rob and Liz Lumpkiss? He said, "He uh, his his face, like just dropped with shock," and he said, "Yeah, Rob. He was my main teacher on the Bible school I was at. I was blown away. There's 325 million people in America. I know three of them from the state of Mississippi. They're sitting right in front of me, and one of them knows the same crazy Aussie that I do, who's uh, who's serving uh, the people in Thailand. It was extraordinary." Do you believe that was a coincidence? Not for a second. Not for a second. I believe that God had set this appointment up. And uh, over the next couple of years, we worked more closely with this organization and ended up, I ended up actually going and working alongside Kenny for, uh, for two full months, uh, kind of doing some, some prep work for uh, our organization to help their organization grow into a new uh, area of service, and, uh, and I really believe that that connection, that trust that we kind of bonded over in that first time we met, set us up as we navigated through some really quite challenging change for their organization. Now, I actually don't believe in coincidences like that. I believe that God has divine appointments for us. Now, maybe you've had and experience a little bit like that. And perhaps not that extreme, but you, you had a moment where you've met someone, you found out that you have this unlikely connection to them. Some people call it a coincidence, but what if they're divine appointments? What if God is bringing people across our path for his kingdom purposes, and we just don't know what God is up to? You see, God is connecting unlikely people in unlikely places all the time. To see people come to him, to see people grow in their faith, to see his kingdom come. We just don't realize it until much further down the track. We often don't know what God is up to. But God has always connected unlikely people in unlikely places. And often the outcome is that people come to trust him. No matter what our background is, no matter what our experiences are, no matter how far away we feel from God, there is no one who is beyond the reach of God's power to save. God's power can save even the most unlikely people. And this morning, we're going to dive into a, uh, a story in the Bible and read about one of these divine appointments. So after uh, Jesus' resurrection and ascension, the, the news about him spread. The disciples who were filled with the Holy Spirit and emboldened with the gospel shared the message about Jesus with whomever would listen. The book of Acts tells us that thousands of people in Jerusalem put their trust in Jesus as the Messiah. And these early followers were known as the Way. And their number increased by the day. The Bible tells us that even some of the priests in the Jewish temple put their trust in Jesus as the Messiah. But for many of the Jewish leaders, the message of Jesus was a threat to their position and power. The book of Acts tells us that the persecution and the opposition that broke out against the followers of the way was pretty strong. And ultimately, a man named Stephen became the first martyr for the cause of Jesus. And another man, this guy Saul, uh, was, uh, was standing there overseeing Simon's death. And then he made it his personal mission to go and destroy the church, hunting down men and women who professed to trust in Jesus and dragging them off to prison, or worse. This Saul was born in the, uh, the Roman city of Tarsus to Jewish parents, and so in the socio-political environment of his day, he was both a Roman citizen and a Jew. But he wasn't just any Jew. His parents were Pharisees, meaning that they were revered Jewish leaders. And Saul was part of the, uh, the tribe of Benjamin. He could track his tribe's history back, and, and he was named after one of his tribe's most famous uh, people, King Saul. And so with the very best of Roman education, Paul was sent off to Jerusalem, the the, the center of Jewish faith, to be taught Torah from the Jewish rabbi Gamaliel, who was one of the most revered scholars of his day. So over time, Paul grew in stature. With his privileged background and his ability to be able to speak both Greek and Hebrew, and his understanding of both Roman culture and the, uh, the Jewish religion, Saul was admitted eventually into the Sanhedrin, an exclusive group of Jewish leaders who were the ruling class over their people. Now, these Sanhedrin were, were powerful Jewish leaders, and, and their role was to protect and, pers- and preserve the Jewish life and religion. And they were expected to do that zealously to make sure that the Jewish practices would stay pure and holy. And this meant that Saul did not believe that Jesus was God's son. This meant that Saul did not um, trust that Jesus rose from the grave. And this meant that uh, that Saul uh, actually had an intent to go and destroy the church because of its threat to the Jewish way of life. And so the persecution of those who followed Jesus grew under Saul. And followers of the way were scattered across the region. And the high priest even gave Saul permission to travel to Damascus, a city that was at least a week's journey away, to hunt down followers of Jesus and drag them back to Jerusalem and throw them into prison. So we're going to read this story this morning from Acts chapter 9. You can flick open your Bible or the app if you want to follow along. But just for a second, put yourself in the shoes of those Christians in Damascus. These Jesus followers have fled Jerusalem and they're hiding out in this city. Persecuted simply because of their faith in Jesus. That still happens around the world today. We don't know how blessed we are here in Brisbane. But they've heard the stories of their friends being imprisoned for following Jesus. They've heard the threats from Saul and his minions. And in fact, the very name Saul strikes fear and trepidation into their hearts. And here he was, heading towards their town to hunt them down and drag them off. But they don't fully know what God is up to. Let's check out what happens in uh, Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 3. See, on the road to Damascus, Saul has this encounter with Jesus. The the light blinds him, the voice shakes him, and his mission is suddenly turned on its head as Jesus breaks in to his world. Saul continues on his way to Damascus, but instead of heading to the temple and rounding up Christians, he ends up blinded, unable to eat, and in the house of a stranger named Judas. Now, Jesus' followers in the city of Damascus, don't, they don't know this has happened. They don't know what God is up to. They're still terrified of Saul, but God is about to show them that no one, no one, is beyond the reach of his power to save. Let's keep reading from verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go. "'Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man named Tarsus, named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. "'Lord,' Ananias answered, "'I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem.'" And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to all who are, to, to arrest, all who call on your name. imagine what's running through Ananias' mind here as he's, uh, as he's going through this experience. First of all, he's, having a, uh, he's experiencing a vision from God, which is pretty significant in and of itself. But then God is calling him to go, to Saul. And he's thinking, "What? Uh, am I hearing you right, God? Did you say Saul? That, that same Saul, Saul who's responsible for, for, for those Christians that are being put to death? My friends, you want me to go to him? You know, that same Saul who was out on a mission to destroy your church, you don't mean that Saul, do you, God? He even, Ananias even starts telling God stuff that God already knows. Hey, this guy's come to drag us away. Surely you don't want me to to go and visit Saul. I mean, to go just to his house is going to basically put a a death sentence against my name. And you want me to go and pray for him, God? That's crazy. But Ananias, he just didn't fully know what God was up to. story continues. The Lord said to Ananias, go. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. What an incredible story. Despite the fear and the trepidation, Ananias follows God's instructions and plays a pivotal role in seeing the most unlikely person in an unlikely place be transformed by the power of Jesus. In the home of Judas on Straight Street, I love the fact that we have those details, Straight Street, in Damascus, Saul, the, the zealous Jew, member of the Sanhedrin, chief persecutor of Christians, puts his trust in Jesus as Ananias places his hands on him in praise. And what a, what a transformation it was. Saul repented of his sin and received his Savior. Saul the legalist was buried and Paul the liberator was born. He began to use the Greek version of his name, Paul. And although the apostles took some convincing, they eventually accepted Paul as one of their own. And he became the most significant missionary and church planter in the New Testament. Paul started churches all over the known world, wrote more than a dozen letters, which became the books of our New Testament. And he endured all sorts of suffering for the cause of Christ. As Saul, he was determined to destroy the church as quickly as possible. But as Paul, he strived to spread the gospel far and wide. He was the most unlikely person to become a Christian. But no one is beyond the reach of God's power to save. Often when we, we read and reflect on this story, we, we focus on Saul, who became Paul and went on to do all these amazing things. But I want us this morning just to think a little on the character of Ananias, now this faithful follower of Jesus who God used in a profound way to bring salvation to Saul. I want to make three really quick observations about Ananias. Firstly, Ananias was faithful. He was willing to be used by God for the sake of the gospel. Sure, when he first heard God say to him to to go and reach out to Saul, he was a little dubious. But he was a faithful follower of Jesus, and he had a willingness and an openness and a readiness to be used by God wherever and whenever. Secondly, Ananias trusted God. He didn't fully know what God was up to. The Bible doesn't say that God gave Ananias all the details of what he'd been doing in Saul's life to this point. And I'm sure Ananias didn't know exactly what God had prepared for Saul in that moment. But Ananias trusted God. He didn't fully know what God was up to, but he was obedient and went to Saul at what he thought was great risk of his own life. And lastly, Ananias was used by God. Because he was faithful and obedient to God's directions, God used Ananias in a powerful way to see an unlikely person put their trust in Jesus. Ananias probably considered Saul the most unlikely, the last person on earth who would come to a saving faith in Jesus. But God used Ananias powerfully to show him and to show us that no one is beyond the reach of God's power to save. You know what? God is still saving unlikely people today. He is still calling his people to be faithful, to trust him, and to be used by him to draw people to himself. It was true for Saul and true for us today that there is no one beyond the reach of God's power to save. It's just that often, we just don't know what God is up to in the lives of those we do life with. And this morning, I want to I share a few stories from some of our Gateway Beyond global workers uh, and to give some insight into what God is doing around the world. Our Gateway Beyond workers have faithfully obeyed the call of God to go. They are trusting God each and every day, and they are being used... By him to reach some unlikely people in some unlikely places. Roger and Monique lead a team every year to a country in South Asia to work with an organization that helps communities break the cycle of poverty. The photo that we've been uh, using for this series uh, with Anna standing on the, the top of a boat, it's actually a boat. If you unbelievably. Uh, this, uh, this photo was from uh, the recent team that went with Roger and Monique earlier in the year. And right in this moment, this team are standing on top of the boat along with some other travelers because the underneath of the boat is full of people. But as this boat is passing uh, this body of water, the, uh, the Aussie team are, are singing and it's just full of joy. And being, being foreigners, they stick out. And so there are a couple of other passengers on this boat who went and spoke to uh, this guy, we'll call him Khan. They went to speak with Khan, who was a staff member in the organization that Roger and Monique's team was working with. The passengers went to Khan and they said, hey, what's, what's going on with these foreigners? Why are they so happy? Why are they so joyous? You know, we, we don't have any joy. We're just kind of caught up in the mundaneness of life. But these people, they seem to have joy. Khan was really impacted by that conversation and, and over the coming uh, little while he reflected on the, the joy and the faith that this team had. And as he, uh, as he processed that and Khan, who was actually a devout Muslim came to put his trust in Jesus and got baptized because he saw something so beautiful in the joy and the faith of these people. See, in a strongly Muslim nation, we, have probably, we would probably consider Khan to be an unlikely person to put his faith in Jesus. But we just don't know what God is up to in people's lives. And one last story from our, our Gateway Beyond Workers Stephen and Karen Conwell teach at an international school in Bangkok that influences Asia's future leaders, influencers, and, uh, and decision makers. And one student, let's call him Deng, uh, moved to the the Conwell School after being bullied at his previous school. From the very first day that he walked into his new school, Deng uh, was blown away by the the warmth and the safety of this place. He He remarked that the students were friendly and that the teachers were so approachable, something that was foreign to him with his other school experience. See, Deng didn't realize that this was a Christian school, but after a little while, as he, uh, as he began to ask questions why people were so friendly and so approachable and, and ask other questions as well, he ended up choosing to follow Jesus and become a Christian. Again, in a nation where 99% of people are either Buddhist or Muslim, here is an unlikely person in an unlikely place putting their trust in Jesus. There is no one, no one beyond the reach. Of God's power to save. God is doing some amazing things through our our Gateway Beyond Workers around the globe. On your way out this morning in the foyer, there's a, a, a stand and a couple of people there who've got a trivia question for you. They want to ask how many countries did Gateway Beyond Workers share the life changing message of Jesus with last year? We were talking about that question earlier in the week, and uh, if you get it right, they'll, they'll give you a fantail. I don't deserve a fantail, because I got it wrong earlier in the week, but it really is extraordinary to see what God is doing through our, our, our global workers. And you know what, you guys are a part of it. We're all part of it. You know, it you, when you give to Gateway Beyond, you are playing a role in seeing Jesus change lives across our community, our nation, and around the world. Your gifts help support our Gateway Beyond workers to do what God is calling them to do. To, to come alongside the people whose lives God is already working in. And like Ananias did with Saul, point them to Jesus as the answer. Can I encourage you in the next uh, couple of weeks to have a think and pray about how you can contribute to Gateway Beyond over the next 12 months? Have a conversation with your spouse, with your family. Read the, uh, the brochure, the brochure that's been put together. You can pick it up at the, uh, at the welcome desk on your way out if you haven't got one. But have a look through that and, and pray and seek God together and consider what you might be able to contribute to help more unlikely people in our community, our nation, and our world hear the life-changing message of Jesus. Commitment Sunday is in, uh, in two weeks' time. And on that day, we'll be bringing our commitment cards and indicating how much that we are able to commit uh, over the next 12 months to Gateway Beyond. I really want to encourage you to be part of that, to be part of that in a couple of weeks' time. But there is no one beyond the reach of God's power to save. It's not just overseas that God is on the move. No one here in Australia, here in Brisbane, is beyond the reach of God's power to save. There are people who we live, work, and laugh with who might we might consider them unlikely to ever put their trust in Jesus. But no one is beyond the reach of God's power to save. There's another story I'd love you to hear this morning from one of our own. I'm going to invite Chris Webb to uh, to come and share his story. Would you uh, Would you welcome Chris as he comes up this morning? Chris and his wife, uh, Wendy, uh, have been coming to Gateway for, uh, for about five years now, and uh, Chris is now a, uh, an incredible man, uh, incredible Christian, bringing up his three daughters in, uh, in the ways of the Lord. But it wasn't always that way, mate. Thanks for coming along and uh, being uh, willing to share your story. And uh, I wanna start by asking you, how would your friends, when you're a younger bloke, have, uh, have seen you as an unlikely person to put your trust in Jesus?
1: Thanks, Tim. Yeah. I grew up in a non-Christian family where I never had any, uh, any spiritual input in my life at all from my family. The, when I was a young fella, the only, only input I probably ever had was RE at school. And uh, most of the time, what I remember, I was dragged out and flogged for misbehaving and disrupting the class. <laughs> that poor RE teacher, I feel so sorry for her. I wish she could know, you know. But she did give me an awareness of God and uh that i never would have got and uh that was that was really important uh, i had a real disrespect for people and i treated people terribly to be honest people who loved me people who cared for me people that didn't even know i just yeah and uh my mates and i we started drinking really young and then later on heaps of drugs and it's, it's all pretty shameful to be honest it's not something i'm not real proud of but uh yeah.
0: So an unlikely person, uh, somebody who hasn't kind of uh, encountered the gospel too much at all, but you had a pretty uh, unbelievable, not unbelievable, crazy experience of Jesus. Do you want to
1: tell us that? Yeah, so later on, I had a conversion that was kind of straight out of Acts 2, Day of Pentecost. So I was sitting at a mate's house one night, and I'm um, sitting in this room, in, a chair, in this lounge room on my own, and just thinking... To myself what a mess i'd made in my life and i could see it was heading down a road that was so destructive and to a place where i probably could never even come back from you know and in that moment i became aware of god so deeply and so acutely that i knew god was real it was just obviously the work of the holy spirit and i knew he was more real than me because he was eternal and I had a beginning and an end and it was as if I looked through the roof of that place into heaven and I just said to God I've made a mess of my life and I can't do it on my own I said God I'm not getting out of this chair until you take me by the hand and show me the way I'm not sure what I really expected God to do but he sure did turn up. The next thing, I could just feel this incredible power of God surging through my my body, through all every limb of my body, but mainly from my head. Could, it's hard to explain. It was so powerful, and so incredible. And I'm sitting there thinking, "What have I done?" And, I, <laughs> and after and, and after quite a while, it still didn't go away. And I thought, oh, "I've got to get out of this place. I've got to go." So I yell out to me, mate, in the other room. I said, hey, I'm heading off. And he walks out and he stands across the room and he looks through the doorway at me and he starts rubbing his eyes and he's peering across like this and he's going, there's a light over your head. And I can feel it, I'm standing there going, yeah, right? And then he keeps rubbing his eyes and he's going, there's a light over your head. I am going, man, you've had way too much drugs. And he's going, no, there's a light over, So several minutes this is going on, you know. Catch you later, eh? So I jump in the car. And all the way home, I'm just praising God. I, I couldn't help it. I just, it was like I was compelled to, I just wanted to, you know? i only known God for a little while, minutes. And I just had to praise God. And I went home that night and I just, I had this deep assurance in my heart. I just knew that something was gonna change. My, my life was gonna change. And
0: that's pretty cool. That's
1: amazing. Praise so you had this,
0: this encounter. Oh, hang on, it's, they think it's finished. <laughs> you had this incredible experience of, uh, of God, but uh, you, you're still trying to make sense of that. So tell us about uh, the friend who played the significant role in, uh, in that journey for you.
1: Yeah, so I've I got this mate, good mate, Paul, He's here today, and uh, he used to ride motocross with me, and uh, he was a Christian. Now, I didn't know that he was a Christian. I didn't know what a Christian was. I knew he didn't like it when I swore around his wife, so, you know figure that Paul rings me up a couple of days later he was God's divine appointment for me you know and he doesn't know I've had this experience he rings me up and says oh do you want to go surfing there's a big swell coming up the coast I said that'd be good and that was a pattern of my life you know surfing motocross drugs anything for a rush just trying to fill that hole in my heart where God was meant to be and Paul, he he can see on this day that just the lostness in my eyes, you know, and he, he starts telling me about Jesus and and it was just what I needed to hear, you know. And and for weeks, Paul and his wife took me in and they just shared the gospel with me and gave me my first Bible, and which I just consumed. Like I was just like, a, I like it like a big dry sponge is the way to explain it. I just couldn't get enough of this, of the word of God. It cut so deep that it, healed too you know and uh and then later on i went to told you i told jesus i was going to give my heart to him and and god turned up just as miraculously more times after that but it's another story (laughs) so yeah and paul will tell you that i'm the last person from that wild bunch that he ever thought could come to know jesus and And we still laugh about it now. Like he'll tell you, it's not the best thing that ever happened to me. It's one of the best things that ever happened to him to build his faith. So, (laughs) I guess if I just could finish by saying, don't give up on those people in your life who are who are just out there and seem beyond the reach of God, because like me, I reckon sometimes they're some of the people who are searching the hardest. That's awesome. How good is God, hey? so good. Mate, thanks Chris.
0: Why don't we give Chris another round of applause and his mate Paul who's here today as well. Great stuff. See, we just don't know what God is up to in the lives of the people that we live, work, and laugh with. Paul had no idea that, that Chris had had this experience of God. But God put him in such a place to be able to provide encouragement and point him towards Jesus being the answer that Chris was seeking. I hope you've been encouraged this morning of, uh, of all these stories, these stories of what God is doing, these stories of, of unlikely people putting their trust in Jesus. But all these stories have something in common, from the story of Saul and, and Ananias, through the stories of our Gateway Beyond workers, and, and Chris's story, In every single story, God is on the move in someone's life. Yet he calls someone else to be a voice, to say some words, to provide some encouragement for that person to come to know Jesus. God wants each of his people today to be faithful, to trust him, to be ready, to be used by him, to see unlikely people put their trust in Jesus. God might not call all of us, like, uh, like Paul or our, our Gateway Beyond Global workers, to, to leave everything behind, to travel across the world, to spread the gospel far and wide. But he does call everyone who follows Jesus to be faithful to him, to trust him, to obey him. Those same words that Jesus said to Ananias, go, Jesus says to us today. See, there are people that you live, work, and laugh with that you might think are unlikely to put their trust in Jesus. And that guy on the work site whose every second word begins with an F. That woman with the, the Buddha statue in her lounge room. The bloke who doesn't believe anything that can't be explained by science. But you just don't know what God is up to. You might not know about that crisis in their life that is causing them to question everything. You might not know about the feelings of loneliness and isolation that they are so desperate to see changed. You might not know about the conversation that they have with their spouse every Sunday morning when you drive down the road past their house to church. You just don't know what God is up to. And until we take that bold step of faith, Ask a question. Offer a prayer or invite them to church. Guys, I want to encourage you this week to be bold, to, to go to the people that God has sent you to, to offer that word of encouragement, to offer that prayer, to invite somebody to your home or to a church service. I... Uh, Many of you might, might remember a few sermons ago, earlier in the year, I was sharing about my personal mission this year to, to try and bring uh, Uber, Uber drivers to church. We've only got one vehicle in our family, and so I, I catch a, an Uber every morning, every Sunday morning to, uh, to church. And uh, I, I've been faithfully trying. And uh, last week, I got in the car, and this lady, her name was Awatif, uh, she actually, we got chatting, she turned to be uh, out, she used to be a, a, a neighbor. Of ours, And I thought, oh, here you go. God, there's another divine appointment. What are you doing here? And uh, we got chatting and talking about going to church. And uh, I was really open. And then she said, oh, yeah, and I'm, a, I'm a Muslim. And so we continued to chat. And, and it, this isn't a story where Awatif has, uh, has come to faith and she's going to be in the baptismal next week. She's on a journey. But I believe God is doing something. She was open for me to pray with her at the end of our, our little car trip. And at least she knows where the church is now. You know, it's going to take some times of, of, hey, we try to push out there and we, we, we offer some words, we, we step into what we believe God is calling us to do and, and we're going to get knocked back. That's okay, I want to encourage you to continue to persist. A story, to just to wrap up with one of my friends is in a, in a church in Melbourne He's telling me this story the other day. There's this mom in this church, and every day for 10 years, every school day for 10 years, she walked past the same lollipop lady, really not really saying too much more than, G'day, how you doing? How's your your week been? But one day, she walked past this lollipop lady and just felt prompted to say something deeper. So this mom said to the lollipop lady this question, she said, Hey, This is a bit of a random question, but I've been looking for somebody to read the Bible with. Would you be interested in joining me? And the lollipop lady just kind of, her jaw drops and she says, you know what? Three weeks ago, my son became a Christian. I would love to sit down and read the Bible with you to find out what he's got himself into. (laughs) That lollipop lady is now a follower of Jesus in a church in Melbourne. No one is beyond the reach of God's power to save. I want to encourage all of us here this morning to follow in the footsteps of Ananias and go. We're all sent somewhere to see people saved, to play our role in God's work. Whether God sends you next door to your neighbor or down the hallway into somebody else's office or, or just across the car park, He wants to use you. I want to encourage you to look for those opportunities. Give that word of encouragement. Offer to pray for that person. Take a step out of your comfort zone. You just don't know what God is up to in other people's lives. Even the most unlikely people, as Chris said. Because no one is beyond the power of God to save. This morning you might be here and, uh, and you've never actually made that decision to put your trust in Jesus. You've heard these stories this morning and you go, hey, I want, I want some of that. Oh, I want to know purpose and meaning. Oh, I know the, the darkness and the sin that has filled my life. I, I want to be freed from that. Let me tell you, Jesus is the answer. Jesus, this uh, was the Son of God, is the Son of God, came to earth as a man. Initially as a child, but he grew to be a man. And he lived this perfect life. He, He gave us all these great instructions and directions on how to live our life. But even more importantly, he took all the sin of the world on his shoulders and sacrificed his life as a ransom for us. All of those mistakes that we've made, all that mess we've been involved in, all of the sin that separates us from God, Jesus took it on the cross and banished it, enabling us to have an eternal relationship with our Father. A relationship that doesn't just give us hope for the future, but gives us hope, meaning, and purpose for our life now. This morning, I want to invite you, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus and you feel a God moving in you this morning to accept that invitation. I just want to encourage everybody to bow their head, close their eyes. If you're here this morning and, and you can just feel the Holy Spirit moving, you might have goosebumps up your arm, you might be having a quickened heart rate, that's quite likely God working in your life right now. He wants to invite you into relationship with Him. He wants to welcome you home. He wants to embrace you as a son and a daughter. No matter what you've done, no matter the things that you've said, no matter how far you feel that you are away from God, you are not beyond the reach of His power to save you. If you're here this morning and you would like to take that step, Make a decision to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And allow Him to come into your life to heal you, to free you, and to give you direction. I just want to encourage you right now, wherever you are, just stick your hand up so I can see. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to celebrate with you. If that's you this morning, can I just encourage you to stick your hand up right there? If you want to put your trust in the risen Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, Stick your hand up so I can see it. I'm not going to drag this on too long, but if you're here this morning and you want to accept that life that Jesus offers, calls you into a new freedom, just let me know. Okay. That's cool. You can open your eyes. You know, that, that doesn't have to happen in a church service. As, as Chris said, he, uh, he finally made that decision in his bedroom reading the Bible. I want to encourage you though, if you uh, want to find out more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus or you want to explore uh, stepping in to a relationship like that, can I encourage you to head up to the Welcome Lounge after our service this morning? There's some people who would love to connect with you and give you some resources to help you on that journey. As we close this morning though, I've just been praying this week about what God wants to do amongst us. And I I just feel that there are a number of people in our congregations who have been praying for someone, an unlikely person, to come to know Jesus. But they're almost losing hope. You're almost losing hope. Now you're here this morning, you've been faithfully praying for a family member or a dear friend or somebody who you love. You want to see them come to know Jesus. And it, it seems that or it feels like it's almost a hopeless situation. Hopefully today you've, you've heard that no one is beyond the reach of God's power to save. And so this morning we would love to stand with you. We would love to pray with you. We would love to ask God to give you a fresh hope. To persevere, to continue to share His love. So if if that's you this morning, I'm just going to encourage you uh, right now just to jump on your feet. We're going to gather around you and pray with you. But if you're here this morning and there's somebody in your life who you've been fervently praying for, and it almost seems like they're continuing to take steps further away from God. I just want to encourage you to stand. We're going to pray. We're going to join with you. We're going to ask God to to bring some fresh hope. Just if that's you this morning, you've got a loved one, a friend, a family member, whoever it is that you want to see come to know Jesus. Just jump on your feet. And there's people standing up all over this, uh, this space. As they do that, I want to encourage the rest of us who are sitting to gather around them. Gather around these people who are standing and let's pray with them. Let's join in prayer. Let's join our faith with theirs. And ask God for an injection of hope, for an opportunity. If you are one of the ones who stood, can I encourage you just to share the name of that person? with the group that's around you? And can I encourage you, if there's somebody sitting next to you who's standing, who hasn't got someone around them, jump around them. We're the church here. Let's jump around them and and pray this morning. Encourage them this morning. Lift them to Jesus this morning. Once you've shared the uh, the name of that person, I just want those standing with you just to pray. You don't need to wait for me to pray. Just pray. Pray for fresh hope. Pray for uh, an injection of faith. Pray for perseverance in Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray. Thank you. You, Jesus, Father, I thank you for all the people in this room who have stood and just uh, wanting to see you move mightily and powerfully in the lives of the people in their world. Lord, whether it's a family member, a a loved one, somebody that they live, work and laugh with. Lord God, you know the story. You know the situation. You know that person so well, Lord God. And this morning, Lord God, I pray that you would just just give an injection of hope into those who have stood this morning. Lord, would you encourage them as they continue to pray? Would you give them perseverance to continue to, uh, to share love with those that they've got a heart for? Lord God, we pray that you would move mightily in people's lives, Lord God. Father, we would be surprised you would do miracles like we've heard this morning in Chris's life and in the life of Saul. Jesus, that you would move in a powerful way to draw people to yourself. And Lord, for those that stood this morning, we ask that you would bless them, help them to persevere. Would you give them hope? Would you give them a continued passion to pray, Lord? Even when hope seems lost, Lord, we know that no one is beyond your power to save. Jesus, we thank you for what you have done on the cross. We pray for your victory to be over the lives of the people that we're praying for this morning. In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus.
1: We hope you've been blessed
0: by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ or would like us to pray for you, please go to gatewaybaptist.com.au and let us know.